Greetings, and welcome to Jones Day Talks Healthcare and Life Sciences. I'm Ann Hollenbeck, and I'm here with special guest Ann Pearson. Hi, Ann. Thanks for having me today. How are you? Well, in Detroit, uh, where I'm sitting, it's cold, rainy, and definitely the start of fall. But I have a feeling, Ian, you're probably in much better shape than I am since you're talking to me from our San Francisco office. Yeah, getting pretty nice out here in San Francisco. Uh, once it gets to October, that's when it heats up for us. So we're going about, about to enter a nice season. Well, sure wish I were out there with you maybe next time. For the audience, let me introduce Ian. He joined Jones Day last winter from the FDA, where he worked for seven-plus years in the Office of Chief Counsel, focusing on medical devices and, in particular, digital health products. Tell us, Ian, from an FDA perspective, what types of products fall into the digital health regulatory bucket? That's a really great question, Ann, because the digital health definition can vary depending on who it is you talk to. For instance, if you talk to someone in tech development, their definition of digital health is going to be different than someone working in hospital administration. Similarly, if you speak to the FDA, their definitions are going to vary as well. And what we've seen at FDA is that the definition of digital health has kind of developed organically over time as new technologies have been developed and FDA gets exposure to these types of products. What falls into the digital health bucket has expanded significantly. You know, when FDA first started looking at this, the things that would come in for review would be mobile medical applications, very simple products that uh, consumers download on their cell phones or mobile devices that give very simple health tips or psychological coaching, things like that. And what we've seen in this development is over the years, the technology has advanced to very sophisticated artificial intelligence that's designed to detect or diagnose serious diseases or conditions, or perhaps assist a physician uh, with determining how a particular medication will impact a patient. And so everything between those two points falls within the digital health bucket. And as the technology continues to develop, develop and expand, uh, we're seeing new products added to digital health all the time. I'm guessing that the evolution of technology is what has led to the emphasis on this particular regulatory area. Yeah, that's right. It's no surprise to anyone that digital health has been a huge focal point for the FDA over the last five to 10 years. And there's a couple reasons for that. The first being that market forces simply can't be ignored. Um, like I said, you know, depending on who you talk to, digital health is defined in different ways. But if you look online and you look at the economic analyses that have been produced, what you'll see is that the digital health has been expanding anywhere from 15 to 30 percent in U.S. dollars year over year. And so that can't be ignored by the agency. The market's getting bigger. And with that larger market, new participants have joined the FDA regulatory space. The developers of digital health products are not just the traditional medical device companies that have been interacting with the FDA for years. They're new technology companies. They're software developers in the hotbeds of this nation's tech industry, San Francisco, Austin, Boston, all these different places are very interested in digital tech. And so they've been interacting with FDA sometimes for the first time ever to figure out what the regulatory system should look like. Which brings us to the second reason why it's been such a focal point, and that's because the regulatory system that's in place at FDA that regulates medical devices is not well suited to regulate software. I bet it's just completely different. 
It is completely different, and it makes sense why uh, the the medical device amendments were added to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act in the mid 1970s. I wasn't born yet, but I, I know about that era. And so, if you think about it, back then, personal computing was just in its infancy. The、That's、internet、right. wasn't even conceived of yet、That's、until the、right、1980s.、Too. And so, the idea that people would be walking around with powerful personal computers in their pockets that are all connected to each other and also connected to all the information of the world through the Internet was something that the drafters in the 1970s simply couldn't conceive of, and so what you have is a system in place that's meant to regulate hardware-based medical products, and these are ones that are made with physical parts that roll off an assembly line that are constructed like traditional consumer products. They have slow development and manufacturing cycles. You might come out with a new version every few years, and FDA was able to look at each version and and address how the product was being manufactured. Now you juxtapose that to Software development, and what you see in software is that you have a more living product. Code is consistently being analyzed. Consumer feedback is coming back to the developers all the time. New updates are being patched into the software consistently. Features all these different things, and so what you have is a system that's in place that's simply not meant to address the way software is designed. Ian, tell us what the FDA has been doing to address these challenges. Quite a few things, actually.、Um, I, I was at the agency then, as as you mentioned, and we started realizing, you know, in the very early 2010s, that we had a problem. Software developers would come in and they would say, you know, we have this really great idea. We really want to get our product onto the market. Tell us what we have to do. And we would explain the regulatory systems that were in place, and they would just view it as overkill and not a not a good fit. And so, if you're a young software company trying to get off the ground, you pivot at that point, and that's what they mostly did. And they switched into an Unregulated territory when they actually did have an idea that could benefit the public health. FDA took this criticism to heart, and they started developing their own systems. Like I said, they're constrained by the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act and the Medical Device Amendments. But what the FDA can do is issue guidance documents, and that's what they started to do in the digital space. Starting in 2013, most famously with the Mobile Medical Apps Guidance, FDA issued a series of documents saying. To the extent that requirements apply to certain types of digital health products, the FDA is choosing not to enforce the regulatory those regulatory requirements.、Um, but guidance documents, if, if you've ever seen them before, they're not law; they're they're policy positions. There's huge disclaimers right on the front of those documents that say. This is not law. It's not binding on FDA or industry, and you kind of get the impression that FDA, you know, could pull the rug out from under you if an administration changes or if new leadership comes in with a different view of those products. Now, those of us that work in that industry know that guidance doesn't work like that. It really is sort of a notice and comment system. But like I said, there's all these new players in the field, and they're staking their entire businesses based on these non-binding documents. And so, what they ended up doing because they wanted more security is going to Congress and. Working on what became the 21st Century Cures Act. The 21st Century Cures Act actually excluded those devices, those those software products, from the medical device definition, such that they're no longer regulated by FDA at all. And it was a really harmonious product、uh, process because when you look at what got excluded per the 21st Century Cures Act, what you see is it lined up almost one for one with the guidance documents that FDA issued anyway, saying that they didn't want to enforce the, those regulatory requirements. And so everyone was everyone was sort of happy at that point. But it turns out there's still a lot of products that are regulated by FDA, and and more work really needed to be done. So, what's next on the horizon? 
like I said, FDA is extremely active in this area and there's developments all the time. Shortly after the 21st Century Cures Act issued uh, was enacted at the end of 2016, FDA issued their Digital Health Innovation Action Plan. And what the action plan does is set out the agenda for the next few years. And there's three things I'll call out pretty quickly. The first is that FDA wants to keep issuing guidance documents explaining what their enforcement it look, is going to look like in this area. And they've done that. There's been, there's been several issued and there's more on the way. So folks should always be checking FDA's website to see what's coming down the pike with guidance documents. The second is FDA wanted to grow expertise in this area. And as you can imagine, it can be a little bit difficult for FDA to recruit elite software engineers. There's a lot of competition for those people in those tech hubs that I've been talking about. So you can work for a company, potentially be a part of an IPO or work for the agency. And it's, you know, it's a difficult fight uh, for FDA to get that type of talent. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And and they don't want to have an entire office full of people analyzing code for software. that's, That's not their goal. They could never review it that way. But what they want is people that really understand the industry, understand what the best practices are and standards for developing software. So their FDA's review of these products can be more based on looking what a company is doing than at the particular product. And that brings us to the third thing, which is the most important and has certainly been met with the the most fanfare. And that's the software pre-certification pilot program. Yeah. The reason people are so interested in this program is because it has the potential to really shake up the way medical software is reviewed. If you know anything about traditional FDA regulation, you'll know that what they do is look at every particular product and make an independent determination about that product, that it's safe and effective or substantial equivalent or or whatever the pre-market review standard is. What the pre-certification pilot program would do is focus FDA's regulatory oversight on the company instead of the product. And what FDA has said is they want to review companies and and evaluate companies for a culture of excellence. And that sounds like a little bit of a squishy term, and in some ways it is. But FDA has been working really hard to define what the parameters of a culture of excellence look like. And that's where those software engineers and experts in software come into play because FDA has identified excellence principles and key performance indicators. And none of this is finalized yet. But I think eventually when the when the program is implemented widely, FDA will have a whole list of things that software companies should do to be great. And if you meet those principles and you can demonstrate that culture of excellence, you'll become pre-certified with FDA, which is going to have downstream ramifications for how you get products on the market. What FDA has said is if you're pre-certified, you either have access to a very expedited, very focused pre-market review pathway that will get your product onto the market much quicker than a traditional that sounds, pathway. That sounds outstanding. And even beyond that, um, depending on the risk of the product, um, you may be able to skip FDA pre-market review altogether wow. and take your product right to the market. Now, there's some other caveats that are involved in that, including you know, the, uh, keeping real-world data, other reporting qu- requirements, so FDA right. can make sure that you know once you get your products onto the market, you're then you're not you're not slacking on your culture of excellence. Um, but but it's still it's it's really excited and it makes sense for software. You know, I said you know these are living products and so having to go back to FDA every time you want to patch a product or add a simple feature or adjust your interface just isn't going to be feasible for a software company. So to be pre-certified, be able to make those changes, get a product onto the market, and then report to FDA how how it's working out in the real world afterwards is something that I think a lot of companies think is a great idea. It sounds absolutely like the way to go. Are there other expectations that you have well, with your experience that are on the horizon for digital health products? 
Yeah, I think if you're engaged in this area and you're someone that's developing digital software or even someone that, that uses digital health products, you just have to be paying attention at this point because the software pre-certification program isn't done. There still are practical and legal considerations that FDA has to work through. And I, and I know they're doing that as they issue uh, new working models and get consumer feedback. They're going to be issuing these guidance documents, and we're all kind of watching in real time to see how this industry, the regulation of this industry is going to be developed over the next few years. And the one thing I would say to companies is that FDA has been very serious about engaging industry. I talked about growing expertise and the idea that FDA on its own in a vacuum can't develop this regulatory system. And so they're really taking to heart and listening to what the industry has to say about those best practices. So if you're someone that is thinking about being in this industry, if you're someone that develops uh, medical technology and software, now's the perfect time to shape your own future as it relates to how your products might be regulated. Um, and so I would encourage everyone to pay attention to what FDA is doing and engage them as much as possible over the next few years. Ian, these all sound like great pieces of advice. Thanks, Anna. I always try to give great advice. <laughs> always do my best. But in all seriousness, this is a very important topic. And if you're someone that is in the market and you're beginning to develop software, it's very important to engage FDA and counsel early on. What I've seen in working in this industry is that many companies don't even realize that they're regulated because it's such a new area. The parameters of the regulated digital health bucket haven't been well defined for a very long time. And with FDA's guidance documents in the 21st Century Cures Act, those parameters have changed quite a bit over the last few years. The worst thing that you could do as a medical software company is realize too far down the line that you're actually going to be regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. It will change your whole development process um, and the way you have to engage with the agency will change substantially depending on how risky your product is. So it's good to have those questions answered early on when you're Absolutely. developing your business plan. Well, thank you, Ian. It has been great to have you with me today. This concludes today's podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have questions, comments, or other views or opinions, topics of interest for us in the future, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'm Ann Hollenbeck at ahollenbeck at jonesday.com. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.